Products. I just have to apologize in advance because uh, I have to cancel my first pitch of the Yankees season. I'm just too busy right now with the podcast and other things. And, you know, it was such an honor to be invited and to be considered to throw out the first pitch of the Yankee baseball team season. But I'm, I'm just I just have to decline it. And welcome back to Zero Credits, the show where we talk about things. My name is Henry. My name is John. And together we're Henry and John, coming at you to discuss the cultural happenings of that there zeitgeist. Now it's funny that you mention baseball, Henry, because I don't know if you've noticed, but baseball baby is back. Uh, Which, of course, is not a way for me to say that baseball's back, baby, but rather the giant baby of baseball is back. That's right. The giant baby of baseball that's birthed every summer, apparently. Apparently the season starts in the summer. (laughs) I I know baseball. Now, uh, have you seen the pictures of baseball, baby? Or do you know of the dark technology that they are utilizing uh, to resuscitate the game of baseball? I thought we were going to talk about the cardboard cutouts that they put in the stands, or in the case of some Japanese teams, stuffed animals. Oh, that is absolutely what we are talking about. What is Baseball Baby? There is a picture going around uh, of... Are they cardboard cutouts, or are they like simulations? Simulation people. I thought they were cardboard cutouts, but it might vary by the team and stadium. Uh, well, whatever they are, uh, the weird fan simulacrum they've created, there's a picture going around of uh, one of the stand-ins for a fan just being an enormous baby. Hmm. It's like I'm... they were going to put a baby in the stands, and then they said, wait, no, we need to make it bigger so people get that this is a baby. I've Googled baseball baby, and it's just a bunch of adorable baby pictures holding baseballs or baseball bats. Hold on, I'm going to Twitter search baseball baby. I think my phone just tried to talk to me, and I, I, I'm, I don't know what's happening. Oh, well, that's because you're using the baseball baby operating system. Right. I triggered it by saying baseball baby one too many times. Yeah, thankfully I'm on uh, Android, so I have to say, hey, baseball baby. But I'm also on Android, John. I'm Paula Nucci. Um, it's me, Doctor. I'm a I'm Paula Paula Di Nucci. I'm baseball baby. Uh, unfortunately, okay. I cannot find a picture of the baseball baby. But trust me, listeners, it's real. I got you. So uh, a baseball baby walks into a doctor's office. Says, "Doctor, uh, I'm I'm not feeling too well." I'm kind of down. What should I do? And the doctor says, go home, turn on the television, watch the baseball game. There's this hilarious baseball baby in the stands. And the baseball baby goes, but doctor, I'm the baseball baby. I feel like that uh, 
that story is ruined by opening it by saying the baseball baby walks into a doctor's office. If you'd said I, Pagliacci walks into it, the famous <laughs> clown Pagliacci walks into a doctor's office. A doctor walks into a doctor's office and he goes, doctor, I'm not feeling well. I'm just kind of down. What, what should I do? The doctor tells the other doctor, look, go to a doctor's office. Tell them you're not feeling well. There's a great doctor. They'll fix you up. And the first doctor says, but doctor, I'm a doctor. Is this how jokes work? <laughs> I, th- I think that's how jokes work. I think you pretty much cracked it. Uh, a punchline. <laughs> What's up? Oh, yeah. It's it's time. It's right about time in our, our program to, uh, I don't know, crack open a few cold ones with the boys and girls. Yeah, cracking them open with everybody, regardless of their gender identity. I don't know uh, what you're drinking, Henry, but you're about uh, to tell me about it. So this week, I, I'm I I would kind of like, I believe the term is old school, and I really like reached deep down into the classic zero credits beer vault, and uh, I I came up with a five one two pecan porter. Uh, it's a robust porter brewed with organic Texas pecans. And I think that's the first time I've ever said that. Hoo-wee, that's a deep cut. Yeah, yeah. It is now, delicious, dark, and smooth. There's not going to be any other time for me to discuss this because we're not going to talk about this beer you like outside of the podcast. Uh, but did you know that there is a whiskey barrel age double pecan porter in existence? It is delicious, John, let me tell you. Uh, I have had it. It's available at my local HEB and probably yours as well. Oh, they have it in like bottled form. Cause so so they, they, they make a very limited amount of this stuff every year. And it's on it like a restaurant might get like a keg of it to put on tap. And it is like smoky and delicious and robust. It is like the darkest, nuttiest pecan porter you can find. So if you have a chance, John, to drink it, and I, I know how much you love the stuff that I love, so uh, you should you should give it a shot. Uh, I know that, uh, like I said, it's a, it's at my local HEB, and I was thinking of purchasing it for you, and then I realized we will never see each other in person again. Uh, so I just purchased. This is. I feel like there was a period of time where I was enjoying fitness beer, enjoying. Uh, and then I was enjoying, unironically, a uh, community beer company, Citra Slice. And somehow I've gone back in time and actually married the two together. Whoa, I didn't know you were ordained. I'm uh, ordered. I was purchasing, wanted to purchase Citra Slice for it is delicious as I was buying some, uh, you know, canned duster. And I was in the store, so I figured I might as well get myself a citrus slice. They did not have any citrus slice by Community Beer Company. They had only one other IPA by them, and that is a hop skinny, low calorie IPA. Skinny and low in an IPA? Go on! Uh, it is apparently 95 calories, some number of carbs, some percentage of alcohol uh, by volume, but most importantly, this is something that Fitness Beer could not claim actually delicious. <laughs> That's kind of the most important part of a beer I've come to find in recent years. Yeah, the the thing about, what was it, Sufferfest beer, 
Uh, right. Is, is that it wasn't particularly low in calorie because nothing with alcohol ever can be. And also there are problems that alcohol has beyond calories, which means if you're concerned about such things, you probably shouldn't be drinking it to begin with. True. Uh, but it tasted like they just filled a third of a can with just like water. Right. Uh, whereas as hop skinny just tastes like a fairly, it, it's not a thin, but it's a pretty discreet kind of bitterness. It's pretty refreshing. It's not like super dank. It doesn't hang out in your palate forever, but it's really good. Well, I'm glad you found finally, maybe a fitness quote, quote, fitness beer that, that, actually taste all right now i can finally after i get done with a a long run with all my fit friends and their tight thighs i'll reach the finish line and there will be a, a some kind of assistant or attendant there and they'll be what can i get you champion and i'll say give me a hop skinny and a gold medal <laughs> you just won the 500 million yard dash what are you going to do now? I'm going to go to Disney World, and first I'm going to drink a Hop Skinny. Disney World's not a good option, but Hop Skinny, yeah! <laughs> Coronavirus is a myth. <laughs> I'm a very problematic, problematic fave. They should not have given me time on camera. It's funny, because like the, those reporters never like follow up with, like, that's a dumb choice. <laughs> <laughs> they never take them to task. No one's ever been like, what are you going to do? You just won the Super Bowl. I'm going to Disneyland. Actually, you should probably go to Six Flags. <laughs> you should probably get some sleep first. You just ran for like a billion hours during this game. Do some active stretching. You know, stretch yeah. out the meniscus, the ACL. We want to see you back here next year. Anyway, have fun, kid. Yeah. <laughs> Don't forget to ice down those muscles, champ. And you, you might want to change out of the uniform. It smells. <laughs> you smell bad. Anyway, back <laughs> to you. <laughs> like there's a reporter. Their job is to, you know, be the sideline person at a football game. But they're like seething with like. Uh, uh, jealousy because they're like, oh man, these people they're so they're of such in shape and they're they're good at what they do and like they win the game and it's like he's like, oh, gotta ask him, what are you gonna do? Oh, we're going to Disney World. You suck, <laughs> you idiot. I hate you. I could be you. <laughs> yeah, I could be you if it weren't for that that man and that that mask that tore my ACL <laughs> to shreds. He, he he came up behind me and he blackjacked me in the meniscus and I could never play again. And he said, "This is I'm from the future and fuck you." And then the end of the movie unmasked the figure and it's him because right. he knew that if he went into sports he would have gotten CTE. Yeah. Oh no! And would have woken up in the middle of the night and driven his truck into a river. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. Uh, now, oh. I did actually complete, uh, surprisingly, it was, sur okay, I'm going to tie it all together. I did complete an act of physical endurance in the time of coronavirus over the weekend, and I do want to tie it into something that is happening right now in the zeitgeist. Well, that just sounds like exactly what this podcast is about. Uh, so I completed a bike ride. I bought a bike. I'm getting back into in, into cycling. What's and, your name it? Oh, the bike? 
Yeah, what did you name your bike? Satan. <laughs> okay, okay. So you were riding Satan. I was riding Satan. Um, and so it, it was a bike ride with a friend. Uh, and said friends said, oh, we should ride a bike from my house to this brewery. It will be nice and easy. Google Maps says it only takes 35 minutes. And I think, no problem. I've ridden my bike for uh, more than twice that one way and then back. My bike fitness is pretty bad, but I should be fine. Uh, they uh, had not uh, ridden this before. And it was entirely uphill. Oh, no. And oh, my God. <laughs> About halfway through, I felt like I needed to throw up and I had to take a break. And I realized why I was being so negatively impacted by this. And it's because I was wearing my mask when I was on my bike. My general rule is if I'm not in my house or if I'm not inside an establishment sitting down somewhere where it's okay for me to take my mask off, I always have my mask on. Right, right. And I... I'll be honest with you. The mask was choking me. It was hot with my breath. You shouldn't do a pretty strenuous uh, aerobic exercise while wearing a mask that is not designed for such things. This was like a big, heavy cloth thing. And right. I, 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 just want, I just want to stress that, you know, absolutely wear it during your day-to-day non-strenuous activity stuff because it's been shown that it doesn't affect your breathing or oxygen then. But when you're doing strenuous activity, maybe uh, maybe give it a break. When you're doing strenuous activity and you do have a heavier-than-usual mask, uh, it, it can slightly impede the amount of oxygen you can get. But in your, daily, in your day-to-day life, it will not impact you whatsoever. You can be someone with asthma or COPD, and wearing a mask does not impact those things negatively, as long as you're doing normal <laughs> or semi-strenuous things. I am a person with asthma, and I can tell you that it does not affect my ability to breathe at all. And when I was on my bike, and honestly, this might have just been my fitness being bad, uh, and I felt it was the mask, but I was so mad at the mask because I was falling behind my friends, and I had to take a break, and I felt like I needed to throw up, so I went and I almost ripped the mask off of my face. However, it was entangled in the stems of my glasses. It (laughs) ripped my glasses around. Uh, almost threw my glasses into the road. So I pulled over, I took a break, and I said to myself strongly, uh, genuinely, a statement that I believed in my own head. I said, if a mask inconveniences me maybe two more times, I'm going to become an anti-masker. Oh, no. Oh, God. You're, you're, you're starting down a dark path, John. This is, I, I do genuinely think, for, for a significant contingent of the anti-mask people who are wrong, uh, I want to be clear, I think a lot of them have just been slightly inconvenienced by a mask too many times and they're reacting out of spite. Uh, because that day I could, have bec- I could have become Alex Jones that day. <laughs> yeah, um, you, you, were, you were brought to the crossroads and on the left... There was the well-trodden path of the anti-masker, and on the right was also the well-trodden path <laughs> of the masker, because they're both well-trodden. But uh, you, you edged a little bit closer to the left path, but then you came around and went to the right. It, it, uh, it's funny, because... Uh, it's funny what people will do and say and believe 
in like in order to not be inconvenienced. Oh no, it's one of those times in the podcast where I was waiting for you to continue and I waited too long. I'm going to edit it out. That's fine. No, but seriously, like, uh, just any inconvenience at all can just completely change a person's entire being, an entire personality, and, like, just whatever they'll do just to not be inconvenienced. Like, you you know, cutting off somebody in traffic, and they're, they're like, the nicest person in person, but, like, just to get to their destination that much, you know, faster, they, they become an animal. I think that it speaks to something kind of central to human existence, which is our overwhelming drive is toward comfort and not expending energy. If we can do something to be comfortable and kind of sedate, we want that. If something infringes on that, we get really angry. Like if you were sitting on the couch watching your favorite show or just existing, like doom scrolling on Twitter, and then, I don't know, a fire alarm starts beeping because it's low on battery. It's difficult for you to imagine hating an object more in that moment than you hate that fire alarm. No, absolutely. If people saw a mask every day as, oh, remember the one time this thing inconvenienced me, they would probably have very uh, strong negative reactions to it because the... I mean, the most important thing to do is look at and be like, this is uh, not related to my life. It can inconvenience me, but its overall benefits are net much greater and more positive than not wearing it and being a baby about it. Right. And we're slowly starting, not slowly, we're beginning to to be on the other end of just realizing that uh, you can't change people's minds even with like facts and and figures and studies and science, like once people become in, entrenched in their beliefs, they just dig in deeper. And so all of the studies that show that, hey, look, wearing a mask, you can get the virus under control and you can open up the economy again like you want. Like we have several, we've got like a couple dozen countries we can point to and say, this is what they did. And they they haven't had a lot of COVID deaths, and their economies are are kind of okay, you know. They're they're, but it doesn't matter because it's like, but it inconveniences me, and that's a step too far. Well, you know what they say, Henry. Your feelings don't care about facts and logic. It's true. It's absolutely true. But that just makes them dig down more because now it's like now you don't even care about what I believe, and but it's that's wrong because it's what I believe. And I'm the protagonist of my story, so you should believe me. Listen, I think everyone needs to everyone needs to accept that in life an invaluable skill is learning how to be uncomfortable uh, and, and how to exist, uh, even though negative things are happening to you without uh, rallying against them and protesting that you can't get a haircut. It's an important part of being an adult is just being able, willing, ready, and able at all times to just eat shit and just kind of be okay with it. Yeah. Uh, it, it makes me think of when I was growing up, I had, I still have a sister and I would constantly compare the treatment 
from my parents to my sister to the treatment from my parents to me. And so, like, my sister hit, like, a milestone birthday, and she got, like, this big gift. And so I would think, oh, when it comes to my birthday, I will get a big gift, too. And then when my birthday came, I did not get as big of a gift. And I would decry it and say, hey, this is not fair. And my parents would look at me straight in the face and say, you're right. It's not fair. Life's not fair. And then they would move on. <laughs> and uh, it's like it, that stuck with me for so long because it's just like, man, this is really unjust. But it turns out, no, life is just unfair sometimes. It's a lesson that they wanted to give me over and over and over again. And uh, it's really kind of just, you know, stuck with me. Life's unfair. You kind of just got to roll with it. I feel like that's a lesson that we as people don't like to say but know is true. Because something that's underlying looking at someone who's out in the street protesting because they can't get a haircut, the language that we use is, uh, oh, they're, they're entitled or they lack perspective. But the thing that we really think is it's a shame that these people haven't been told, hey, sorry, I get it. Not being able to get your haircut sucks, uh, but life's not fair. Yeah. Um, I honestly don't care about your ability to get a haircut because we're all kind of on the same page about this one thing that's going to do the good thing for everybody. Yeah, no, it's insane. The entitlement of certain people and groups and other things that just don't acknowledge the fact that life's not fair. Instead, they just double down and say, but I want to play golf. Yeah, like they say, can... I, I deserve to play golf. I'm entitled to play golf. I want to play golf. And the, the answer to that is, I don't care. No I, one cares. It, and the funny thing is, it's like nobody's taking away your ability to play golf eventually. Like, once this all blows over, if such a time and place of like that exists, you can go back to playing golf. We're not getting rid of golf. It's like you have to sacrifice right now in this moment, and we don't know how long this moment's going to you know, last, but just sacrifice for the duration, and then you can go back to playing golf. And uh, that that's just unfathomable. They can't, they can't make that compromise of like, okay, I don't get what I want right now, but I'll get it later if I do the good things now. And it, it's a... I feel like we are living in a society currently that is predicated on the idea that we all have to operate under the delusion that everyone is entitled to enjoy themselves. And the answer is, you're not. You never have been. And you never will be entitled to enjoy yourself. The ability that you have now to enjoy yourself is unprecedented in the history of, of human existence. Uh, perhaps, I don't know, hunter and gatherers might have been way happier than us. But like... You're not entitled to play golf. You're not entitled yeah. to get a haircut. You're the, you're not. The U.S. Constitution says, uh, you know, it protects the the rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It doesn't guarantee happiness, but it, it's not going to infringe upon your rights to pursue happiness. And sometimes that pursuit of happiness looks like wearing a mask and not playing golf. In order to live long enough and to ensure that golf courses are still a thing 
later on so that then you can pursue playing the game of golf and being happy. But a lot of people read that pursuement of happiness as like an entitlement. Like, I deserve happiness. It, it is guaranteed to me. I need it. Give me my happiness. What do you mean? What do you mean I got to wear a mask when I'm eating at my favorite Mexican restaurant? What? That's stupid. How do I even get the chips in my face? When will my wife get her shredded cheese for her fajitas? Yeah. Yeah, it, it's a real sad, sad state of this country where individualism is so honored and so, like, just like the standard of how things are. Like, it's me, me, me. We're all fighting for our own scraps of, of cheese in the big old rat race. And But then when, like, something big enough, bigger than everyone comes along, it's supposed to, like, in the sci-fi movies, it's like, once the aliens attack, all the humans band together and become a collective, and it's us versus them, and the the enemy is here, and so we fight them. But now it's more likely that, like, half of the people are going to be like, the aliens don't exist. The aliens are a leftist plot to make our president look bad, and they don't exist, it's all a hoax, and until I get zapped by an alien laser, I'm going to say this, and then they get zapped by an alien laser, and then they're like, it's real, but it's too late to do anything. Well, I mean, we if you look back through those movies, there's always a, a country or an actor, even in horror movies, that to to demonstrate the veracity of the threat will act in a in a delusional or foolhardy manner to express their individualism, thus cementing in the plot the need for the characters to band together. Uh, and we always imagined... Uh, in those movies, in your Independence Days, that America would be the country that sees the countries do that. And then America is at the heart of a coalition that bands together and solves the problem. But now we all understand that in the horror movie, uh, America is the first person to die. Uh, right. America will always be the person who, who charges out with a double barrel shotgun being like, come on, monsters in the mist, you can't kill me. And then our head gets like sliced off. Right, exactly. And we're not even like the... Uh... The heroic sacrifice people who are like, I'm going to like distract them. Ah, it's me. I'm you guys run the safety, but I'm look at me monster. Obviously I'm a master of dialogue, (laughs) but I really hear the masters in fiction writing come through. (laughs) I'm tired. Leave me alone. But uh, no. Yeah. So obviously we're, we're not even the sacrificial person. We're the person at the beginning of the movie that was like, what? That old man at the gas station, what was he about? I don't know. I don't care. I'm going to go skinny dip in the lava lake and get killed by the big lava monster. Yeah, that is pretty much exactly the role that we have been playing, and I hope that we won't play in the future. It certainly doesn't look like that, though. Yeah, no. It, it, it's just... It's so odd to me that in the face of all of this scientific like data, all of these experts, all of these people coming out of the woodwork to say like, hey, all, this is real bad, but it could be less bad if we did this one little secret. This and one weird trick. Doctors this love us. Doctors love us. It's this one weird trick. Just wear a mask. That's it. Just when you're in public, not even like all the time. Just if you go to a public place, wear a mask. And 
studies have shown there is evidence. There are case studies that show like this is effective. It works. And it's still like, but my freedom, my freedom. People don't understand that the level of lockdown the country is in now, which is significantly relaxed from where it was. But even assuming the entire country reached the level of lockdown that you could leave for essential things, you could go you could go into work or rather you'd essentially be mandated to go into work if you were deemed essential. Uh, and you had a relatively free, relative freedom of movement uh, that that is in itself a cost benefit analysis understanding, but that by having that degree of freedom, a certain number of people will die. However, to the freedom crowd, that level of, of relative freedom looks like total imprisonment. Uh, and right. they do not understand that that experts uh, all over the world have deemed, yes, this is an acceptable amount of freedom to have so a ludicrous number of people don't die. Uh, but they think it's being overcautious. But studies show that by even allowing that tiny bit of freedom, cases go up. Uh, it's it's just ridiculous. It's insane. Like, we wa- we watched countries completely shut down like New Zealand, Italy and for a while there China. They completely shut down to the fact like you could not leave your home. Mm -hmm. That was a true shutdown. And what we experienced in America was just like yeah, only essential workers but we're not going to define what's essential and each company will find an excuse to deem themselves essential, and so nothing actually shuts down. Exactly. (laughs) There's no teeth behind any of the mandates or orders that any level of government has put out, and because of that, everyone is just using loopholes to to eke out, and so nothing was effective. And that's why we had that second spike, and some places are still spiking. Luckily, here in Austin, if you trust the numbers, we're, we're starting to go back in the downward direction. Not that I don't know if we can trust the numbers, but that's a completely separate conversation. But it seems as though things are starting to even out here. But it's just, it's, it didn't need to start. We didn't even need that second spike if we had just shut down the first time. Yeah, a lot of people died in a totally unnecessary manner. Yeah. It's insane. It's insane. But uh, maybe we get away from that. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I think so. Uh, Yeah, we can get away from that. Uh, Quick takeaway, don't understand the coronavirus because it seems like mortality is actually pretty closely related to your BMI and also how much fiber you eat. I don't know. I don't know how the virus works. No one None knows. Of, no one knows yet. You know, they're finding that it, it's more of a cardiovascular disease than it is a respiratory one. There just happens to be a lot of the same type of blood cells in the lungs that the virus attacks. And so while at first it seemed like a respiratory thing, it turns out that no, there's so much blood clotting in some of these people that it's no wonder that they were even like surviving on a respirator. Yeah, because a they're, ventilator. They're, they're they're looking at it as yes, it does attack the lungs, but it's it's comorbidities are much more closely shared with something like pulmonary heart disease, where mm-hmm. it's it's not based on like your lung health. It's based on like, hey, how overweight are you? How often and frequently 
do you exercise? Uh, interestingly, like how much fiber in the form of fruits and vegetables do you eat? How much time do you spend in the sun? Uh, which is weird and scary. And that's probably not the end of where science is going to say the comorbidities truly lie, but I've certainly been spending a lot more time outside and eating more peaches. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I wish I could exercise more, but I don't trust gyms at this point because it seems as though, uh, you know, not getting too deeply into it, but it seems as though my parents caught COVID from a gym. Yeah, gyms are not safe. Gyms, it's kind of like a weird thing that people are overlooking is gyms, for the most part, remain totally open. Uh, I don't think gyms should be open as much as I love gyms and how important they are to me uh, and my past. Right. Uh, I I think that gym, the way we look at fitness in the short to medium term is going to change pretty significantly. However, I am looking at buying uh, three to six heavy-duty nickel eye bolts to put in the studs in my garage so I can basically make a place where I can do dumb bodybuilding exercises. It's safer at this point to do a lot of home stuff. But uh, I mean, honestly, I, I, I've been getting a lot of like walking, running, biking, things I never used to enjoy just because it's my only outlet. Yeah. Oh. It's How crazy times. kayaking? Kayaking safe? I think kayaking's pretty safe. Um, one, you're alone in the in the kayak. And uh, two, you're distanced from everyone because you you can't you can't paddle if someone's right next to you. So I think kayaking is kind of safe. What about tandem kayaking with a super spreader? What's a, <laughs> No, absolutely not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Noted. What if, what if, yeah, I like saunas, but only if there's risk. So I'm only getting in saunas with known super spreaders. Yeah, I've, I've got a, I've got a number of people in my phone who are known super spreaders. <laughs> uh, I've had a very, I've had an awkward number of conversations where people think I'm talking about super shredder of, from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but of no, course, yeah. for super spreaders. Right. <laughs> I don't know. Dumb. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Let's not talk about coronavirus. Everyone knows this. I know. It's just we we, we have been kind of quiet on it, just because it brings us down when we talk about it. But it's interesting that you yourself have now experienced that that uh, impulsive uh, impulse of a thought. Yeah, it's it really is the first time it uh, occurred to me, and I'm pretty. I feel almost bad about it because when we arrived at the brewery, because of course I made it to the brewery and uh, drank a lot, drank some of this black is beautiful beer, uh, which a lot of Texas breweries are doing for a nonprofit. It was great. Uh, When I got up from the table twice, I forgot to put my mask on just because I I guess my brain was turning against it. Well, you were exhausted from the the trip and then you you drank some beer so your your maybe your thoughts got a little impaired and i mean we we haven't really gotten to the part where this is routine yet you know we haven't been masking up long enough for it to just be like oh yeah of course and and even if we do it's in like the grocery store or running an errand it's not in a social setting 
with friends, people who we like and trust. I, I do like that uh, if, if people haven't gotten to a – well, it depends on your level of comfort. But I've found that having friends over on an infrequent basis entirely outside greater than six feet apart, uh, it's a pretty fun time. Yeah, I know. Like it, we it's hung a nice out. way to feel socialized again. Yeah, we hung out at your place uh, like a couple of weeks ago. And that, that was – all we did was like sit around and talk and eat food. But that was like a huge highlight of that that time period. Was that three weeks ago? Three or four. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. God. It seems like just like a week or two ago, but it feels, you know. Oh, man. I got to buy more firewood. Yeah. But no, even, you know, just getting together to talk with people. Which is, like, you know, the older we get, the more that's just what our parties are. Whereas it used to be like, you know, come over and we'll also do an activity. But now it's like, forget the activity. Let's just talk and drink. (laughs) Yeah, talking and drinking is now the activity. And I'd say if that's not the level of comfort you're at, uh, maybe look into getting into an online video game. Like, I don't know, Star Wars The Old Republic. Um, yeah. Some friends. Socialization right. is important, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it's good. It's great. Star Wars The Old Republic is fine. Yeah, it's a fine game. It's fine. It's decent. Don't make I, me I talk spent, about it. I spent real money on it. Let's continue. All right. Well, John, I've got, speaking of the zeitgeist, you know, the thing this podcast is about, uh, pop culture, I don't know if you've known this, but recently... Uh, pop culture is kind of uh, only way to really describe it is kind of like ground to a halt. Yes. Uh, but today there was a little bit of a like a little injection of adrenaline to to kind of get that blood flowing again, get that those get that that media that media blood flowing because you know what they did today, John? What they do? They announced the 2020 Emmy nominees. Did you say Emmy or any? Emmy. Oh, okay. The Emmy nominees. That's right. Somehow, some way, the Emmys are run in a manner that they have enough shows that that premiered last year that they can do an award show this year. Incredible. So, like, it's like the you know the Oscars is sort of like maybe a month or two removed from their, like from the movies that they, they feature, but the Emmys are like a year behind. So I did not realize that the Emmys were for the previous year. It's insane. Like I, I didn't realize that either until there was nothing else going on. Cause I'll be honest. I really don't pay attention that much to the Emmys just because Compared to movies, there's just so much television. It's kind of impossible to pay attention to all of it, whereas whereas with movies, it's like, okay, there's these 11 movies that are in every category. I'll just just watch them. Mm -hmm. Uh, But some really surprising things to come out of the Emmy nominations, John. A record has been set. 26 nominations by a single show. What show do you think it is? Oof. So the Emmys are, uh, it's like a weird in-between period where it's 
kind of like the last half of last year going into sort of the beginning of this year. So 26 nominees uh, for shows that didn't necessarily premiere last year. I'm going to say... Oof. Think about show a show that we, we kind of discussed in some manner or another. I'm going to say, like, Better Call Saul? Man, Better Call Snall got... Better Call Snall? More like Cold Snall. More like Better Call Snubbed. Because while Better Call Snall... God, fuck. (laughs) While Better Call Saul did receive six nominations, none of its lead actors got nominated. Oh, that's a bummer. It's insane. How do you deny Bob Odenkirk, Michael McKean, or or Rhea, I forget her name, and that's sad, but the person who plays Kim Wexler, how do you deny them acting accolades? I don't understand. So it's how not better call Saul. How do you deny Bob Odenkirk's ability to play Bob Odenkirk in With Bob and David? Uh, <laughs> Saul Goodman... In Better Call Saul and the father of the Little Women in Little Women. Hey, he was also the head police chief in the first season of uh, Fargo. Talk about range. He's good at what he does, and what he what what he does is he makes me like him, and that's all that counts. My favorite thing about him in Little Women is he shows up, he's like, yes, and I know it's a line from the book, but he's like, we're all here, my My little little women. women. (laughs) Yeah, I I love, I think it was you who was like, I'm watching Little Women and like 45 minutes into this movie, Bob Odenkirk walks on screen, does a title drop and walks off screen. I actually think the Little Women name actually comes from the narrator in Little Women. I don't think a character actually says it. So I like to imagine Bob Odenkirk came on and he says, Can I can I do the title? Can I be a guy who's <laughs> Little Women? Yeah, I, there's some stipulations. You have me for one day, I get to do the title drop, and then I'm back on the AMC lot in uh, Albuquerque. Yeah, I want to wear a Civil War hat, and I want to say Little Women. Uh, unfortunately, they did cut the scene where Timothy Chalamet says, Damn you! Damn all you Little Women! <laughs> and they did, yeah. of course, cut the scene where Sears Ronan said, And we are today, all of us, Little Women. And, and Florence Pugh. Florence Pugh. Pugh. She has a, you know, she has a scene where she looks at her hands and she's like, We've done it. We really have become little women. They did also cut a scene where the first scene of the movie is when um, Marnie, played by Laura Dern, uh, walks in front of the camera and says, I welcome you now, audience, to a tale as old as time, a tale of three little women. And who could forget that deleted scene where Emma Watson... Shaking and rocking back and forth, looking directly into the camera, just keeps repeating in a muttered, under her breath tone, Little women, little women, little women. Yeah, that, the movie was supposed to end on that. Yeah, yeah. 
it's a, it's really a shame that all these other title drops were cut in favor of snubbed actor Bob Odenkirk. It, it is un, it is unfortunate that whenever you are snubbed at an award show, uh, <laughs> whenever you show up on anything or are mentioned, it calls you snubbed actor. <laughs> you know how actors. This is the craziest thing that I still don't get in entertainment media. Whenever you name, whenever you an actor, whenever you write an actor's name, you have to write in parentheses their latest project, no matter what it is. And so for Bob Odenkirk right now, it's Bob Odenkirk. Open parentheses, snubbed for an Emmy actor. Close parentheses, because that is the latest project he's done. It was unfortunate for Leonardo DiCaprio because he was snubbed at the Oscars so many times. He had to be referred to in every Chiron as scorned pervert. <laughs> yeah. Scorned ophiliophile. Yes. Yeah. Scorned ephebophile Leonardo yeah, DiCaprio. All right. What TV show, John, got nominated for 26 Emmy Awards? Uh, succession. Ooh, no! But Fuck. You're, you're, you're. I really thinking, thought I got it with Succession. You're thinking in the right direction. Uh, succession had 18 nominations. Ooh, I'm getting closer. Yeah. Uh, I, I will also throw out the marvelous Miss Maisel got 20, so it's not that one. Uh, is it on Netflix or a, or a cable network? It is a premium cable network. Oh. I truly don't know. Oh, it's a shame, because we, we both talked about it in quite some detail. It's HBO's Watchmen. What? No. HBO's Watchmen got nominated for 26 Emmy Awards. It leads every show. I mean... There's an argument to be made that it's deserved. Yeah. I mean, it was really well done. Even though I didn't like the last two episodes, I will not deny that the show was pretty powerful in its message. And then I feel like, it feels like last second they're like, but it's Watchmen, so we gotta do something kind of like crazy at the end. Yeah, we have to make it end like a comic book movie. Uh, and let's not get, get into, like, Watchmen spoilers, but I enjoyed everything in Watchmen leading up to those two episodes maybe more than I've enjoyed anything on TV recently. And by recently, yeah. I mean the last, like, two or three years. For sure, for sure. Like, it, it, it really took you on a journey throughout yeah. time and space. It also uh, said something about race that no TV show really had the balls to do that year. Exactly, yeah. What's interesting, it leads in 26 categories, but it must be must be categorized as something else. Because it's not in any of like the drama series categories. It must be under like a mini-series or something like that. Oh, it's yeah. a, a series featuring Dr. Manhattan? <laughs> yeah, it, it's funny. When I was doing research for this episode, I, I went right to the source. I went right to the you know the uh, the Emmy website, and I they just have a uh, a raw sort of PDF of all of the categories. And I was scrolling and I was scrolling, and I wasn't recognizing any of the categories. 
at no. all. And then I looked in the bottom right corner where it says, you know, you're on page blank out of blank. And I was on page 12 out of 61. Jesus Christ. They have so many awards because it, it didn't – normally there's a daytime Emmys where all of the creative awards are given, like, you know, set and costume. And, and like, there are just so many different categories of, like, you have So it's period. like the technical Oscars. Right, right. But it's like you've got period costume and then sci-fi slash fantasy costume. Like the way that they delineate the different genres of television is so minute and precise. And then uh, like each different category has a casting category. Like, <laughs> and I was thinking about it. It's like casting for a drama uh, a show. And I was like, well, you take a show like Pretty Little Liars. And that's not what it's called. Big Little Lies. The other one. The, the HBO series, Big Little Lies. And it's just like, that's just the biggest names you could get in one series. And then I am Scott. <laughs> so it's like the casting was just like, how much money do we have to give Reese Witherspoon, Meryl Streep, <laughs> like all of these other big actresses? And you could win an award for that. <laughs> I would be very interested to, since we are living in unprecedented times, and it's not, is there a date for the Emmys? I have no idea. I just know the nominees were, came out today. Let, let me read this article. I would be very interested for there to be... September 20th. Okay, so we're not going to be back to normal by then. Uh, I would <laughs> be very interested if there was, hear me out... One long, unedited, uninterrupted Emmy is where every single Emmy is read. I would watch that. Every single, like, every single category, all 61 pages. All 61 pages, every fantasy or sci-fi costume, all of it read by an increasingly beleaguered Jimmy Kimmel or whoever (laughs) on a webcam. it is Jimmy Kimmel, so you're absolutely, yeah, you're, you're on point. That's weird because I know the Emmys has a late night talk show category. Oh, you think you, you think there's some, uh, he's never been nominated. Yeah, his show's not good enough. And also no late night talk show's good. Um, I just think it would be interesting if he won and was the host. It's like if Billy Crystal was hosting uh, the Oscars when City Slickers 2, The Legend of Curly's Gold won an Oscar. That was the only Billy Crystal movie I could name off the top of my head. Not when Harry, not when Harry met Sally. Uh, uh, of Slickers course, not. Legend of Curly's Gold. Uh, I'm scrolling down looking for the talk show category, and uh, apparently Variety does not think that highly of it because I cannot find it. I swear, there's a, a talk show category in the Emmys. You you have to be right because it's on television, and like they cover everything that's on television. So. Uh, maybe I passed it up, but I didn't realize. But I would be very interested in watching a totally uncut Emmys. Let me ask you a question just because it's front of mind. Okay. Um, you and me, we have a shared favorite, let's call it 70% uh, drama series that was aired recently on a streaming network. Uh, And I wonder... If the Mandalorian picked up any noms, it absolutely did, my friend. Ooh, what is it? Is it what Star Wars always gets, and it's like visual effects? 
It has been nominated, and I'm just going to kind of scroll down as I'm reading this, uh, for Best Drama Series. Oh, wow. That's a big win. I mean, it doesn't deserve it. Um, pause for seeing the name again. <laughs> Can you do like a control F? Uh, I'm on my phone. God damn it. Um, I want to get the category right, but I know uh, character voiceover performance. For what? Taika Watiti. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, he deserves that. Yeah. Um, so I know it has at least two nominations. I'm not going to scroll down, but I'm, I'm guessing costuming and all that other stuff. But it, it, it getting nominated for best drama series. Now note that, uh, Watchmen is not in that category. Strange. Watchmen is a limited run series. It is not a drama series. Uh, So The Mandalorian is up against Better Call Saul, The Crown, The Handmaid's Tale, Killing Eve, Ozark, Stranger Things, and Succession. So I'm sorry to say, but it's going to lose to Succession. Yeah, people tell me Succession is good. I have not watched it yet. I can't bring myself to watch it. I don't know. It's It's probably going to lose to Succession, but hey, any Star Wars property, it's just, it's a privilege just to be nominated. Right, right. And this is way better than Clone Wars ever got. I have no idea. It's animated. Uh, Yeah, no, you're right. The Mandalorian. The Mandalorian is very much in line with Clone Wars, which is... About 50% of the episodes are good, but the ones that are good are really good. Right. So in the limited series category, best limited series that where Watchmen is uh, nominated, it's up against Little Fires Everywhere, Miss America, Unbelievable, and Unorthodox. Ooh, so it, fuck. It won, it won that. Ca- wait, what? What, what? What's in that category that's good? Unorthodox is tremendously good. Oh, what's it about? Uh, it's about a girl who escapes from an abusive ultra-Orthodox Jewish community in New York and escapes to Germany. Okay. Uh, yeah, watch that show. Last episode made tears explode out of my face. It's really, really, really good. Okay. I had no idea. I never even heard of it. So that'll be interesting to see who, who wins in that category. Yeah. Oof. Who do I want? I don't know. I don't. Eh, I want un- unorthodox to win. Uh, no, you know what? We'll just have to watch the totally unedited, uninterrupted <laughs> Emmys to find out. Right, Jimmy Kimmel on a stage for days. I will say, oh, for please, please make it so it is not. <laughs> what else is he doing? I'm in the middle of quarantine. I want it not to be that he's in front of a webcam, but he is in front. He's on a stage, and the audience is all cardboard cutouts of babies. Yes, but they're they're done up like famous people. So there's like a there's a George Clooney baby and like a famous actor baby and um, a Jeff Bezos baby, a Jeffrey Epstein (laughs) baby. Oh no. Okay. Oh, I found Variety. I found Variety Talk series. He is absolutely nominated. That seems like a conflict of interest. It really does. You know what's really weird? So, character voiceover performance. 
this this category has a weird amount of people and a weird amount of shows nominated, right? So, did you say did you say Mandalorians in voiceover? It is. Here's what the Mandalorian. Here's what Taika Waititi is going up against. Uh, Maya Rudolph as Connie the Hormone Monstrous in Big Mouth. Okay. Leslie Odom Jr. as Oam in Central Park. Okay. Wanda Sykes as Gladys in Crank Yankers. I'm sorry, Crank Yankers? You mean that Comedy Central show from 20 years ago? Apparently it's still running. Huh. And then two voice actors from The Simpsons who voice like 30 people. Okay, that yeah, that makes sense, I guess. Yeah, one of them being Nancy Cartwright, of course, and one of them being Hank Azaria, who voices Mo. Bold that they would uh, twenty other people. <laughs> bold that they would put Hank Azaria in there since he had to stop voicing Apu. I, I mean, I'm not going to comment on that because I don't know. I know we talked about it, but I, I don't know any of the updates. Where's that Dan Castellaneta? I don't know. I have no idea. But it's it's just so weird of a category to be like, animated show, animated show, Crank Yankers, The Mandalorian, and two Simpsons actors. I think they're just looking for more opportunities to give Taika Waititi awards. And uh, I, I really, I genuinely like Taika Waititi, I do. But I like his directing and writing... I would want that more honored than his acting or voicing a robot. I will say, as someone who is deep in the Star Wars hole right now, uh, good droids are hard to come by. Uh, it, they, yeah. Um, Alan Tudyk as uh, K-9 in Rogue Alan One. Alan Tudyk as K-9. Uh, what was it? HK-47 or whatever. The assassin droid, Knights of the Old Republic. That's a good droid. C-3PO, R2-D2. Good droids are hard to come by. Taika Waititi was definitely one of them. Yeah, he did a good job. I'm not knocking his performance. I just think if I want to give Taika Waititi an award, I would give it to him for his directing or writing more so than his acting. His acting is fine. Like, I love Korg from Thor Ragnarok. I think it's a really great character. But I think, like, he also directed the whole goddamn movie. BB-8, I would be buried alive before I saw anyone give any recognition to BB-8. Yeah, fuck Bill Hader. Fuck Bill Hader. <laughs> it, look, we're, we're saying here on the podcast first, Bill Hader has never starred in or been in any transformative works of comedy and drama. His acting is not unparalleled. I, I want to say it was he, Bill Hader and one other person who technically, quote, voiced BB-8. He is not incredible in Barry or documentary now. Yeah, Bill yeah. Hader is a piece of shit and he can burn in piss. I just want to say we would do absolutely nothing to get him on the show. We wouldn't, we would like, if he were on the show, we would completely ignore him. We We wouldn't. It wouldn't. It wouldn't be one of my dreams to talk to him. No, no, no. Fuck him. 
It Bill is. Hader in no way exemplifies <laughs> what I think is the perfect combination of every acting and comedic discipline that I value. He's a real ass. Yeah. He's a this, bastard. Right. And it's all based on his performance of BB-8. Yeah. Remember when BB-8 flicked out that little lighter? Fuck Yeah. Him. Yeah. Actually, I really like that moment. But yeah, fuck him. Yeah, fuck him. All right. I just want to say, John, uh, so I, looking at the animated, the best animated program category, you've got Big Mouth, Bob's Burgers, Rick and Morty, and The Simpsons, and BoJack Horseman, and the episode that they nominated, because that's how it's work. That's how it works. You nominate, like, one episode. The episode of BoJack Horseman that they put it forth the view from halfway down, if that doesn't win, the entire award show is meaningless to me. I mean, it it depends, I guess, on if they actually consider the text as a whole. I I think that Rick and Morty is a pretty odious show. Uh, The the episode that they put forth, the Vat of Acid episode, is also good. But the view from halfway down is the culmination of... Six and a half episode, six and a half seasons of BoJack Horseman. Like it, it is what the entire show was building toward the entire time, and it is so well executed that it made me cry. And it's just like a, an animated show about a talking horse. But if that doesn't win all of the awards, I'm sorry, Watchmen. I'm sorry, Unorthodox. And I especially apologize to Reese Witherspoon, who was also snubbed. Uh, the awards are meaningless. What episode of The Simpsons was nominated? It's called Thanksgiving of Horror. Oh, who cares? Uh, Simpsons <laughs> Simpsons is over. Um, yeah. Hope BoJack wins. Hope Watchmen wins. Right. Hope all the... But the worst nominees are happy. I feel like uh, the fans would be up in arms if I didn't if I didn't get you to say which reality competition do you hope wins. Oh, what are my options? Oh, okay. I'm glad you asked. Uh, the Masked Singer. Okay, don't know what that is. Nailed it. Uh, is that that cake thing? Yes. Um, RuPaul's Drag Race. Okay. Top Chef. Okay, Top Chef is classic. The Voice. Wait, I genuinely don't know the difference between The Voice and The Mass Singer. Do you actually want me to walk you through this? Uh, Yes. All right, The Voice is a show where the judges have to face away from the person uh, singing, and if they like it, they hit a button and they get to turn around and see the singer. And then the people that make it onto the round, make it on through the round, they get coached by the person who first hit the button. And so it's like a weird mentor, mentee, improve over time kind of show. But the masked singer, John, costumed people get in front of a panel of judges and they sing and the judges have to guess who the masked singer is. 
And if they don't guess who it is, they go on to the next round until they're either found out and eliminated by being guessed or they go the entire season without being guessed. And then it's a big reveal at the end and they win. It's always a famous person, though. Uh, is the mass Singer, do they ever, like, um, is it like Dancing with the Stars where they put, like, monsters behind the masks and they get redeemed in the public's eye? Um, I have not watched <laughs> enough okay. to, to I, I just, the only thing I know about the mass Singer is that, spoilers for season one, uh, it, the the winner ended up being Wayne Brady, and it was obvious none of the judges had ever watched Whose Lines It Anyway, because it was obvious to everyone else. I, uh... So, here's my judgment. Based on the fact that from what you've told me, it sounds like, uh, the mass Singer could allow, like, Roger Stone... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Could allow, like, a real piece of shit uh, to get through yeah. and win a million dollars. And the voice uh, sounding like garbage. I'm going to go with RuPaul's Drag Race because uh, no monsters came out of RuPaul <laughs> that I know of. It, it's very zeitgeist right now. It's very, like, in the cultural mainstream. RuPaul's Drag Race pops up time and time again everywhere. And people, like, really great people, really famous people people who I admire, uh, they go on the show and they support it, and that drags it back into the, the, the cultural zeitgeist, too. So I think it actually stands a really good chance of winning. So I think that's a smart pick. Now, I say that out of a place of relative ignorance, because if there was a season of RuPaul's Drag Race where Henry Kissinger sissied that walk or something, uh, then I'd like to walk that back and say that RuPaul's Drag Race does allow monsters. But so far, I don't think so. For what it's worth, the uh, the famous people that go on the show end up as – they are only ever guest judges. Uh, the contestants are always uh, drag queens. Okay, so uh, is there a chance that one of their judges could be like Jair Bolsonaro? <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, the only one recently that I know of is AOC, and I'm, the only bad thing she's ever done in my eyes is play League of Legends – I mean, I like AOC. She seems fine. You mean AOC anyway. plays LOL? Yeah, she uh, a couple of weeks ago she tweeted about uh, one of the most productive things she's done during the quarantine time is that like uh, she she ranked silver in in league or something like that. Uh, who cares? It's, I don't know. It's a pretty pretty relatable tweet. There's only one hot th- gaming thought I care about, and that's Henry Cavill. Right, right, yeah. Because he built his own computer. Yeah, that's what people That's care. what I should have been talking about this whole time. Who cares about the Emmys, John? Oh, I, I ruined it. I ruined the whole episode. Oh, damn it. You should have been talking. Oh, crap, damn it. Crap, damn it. Now a whole bunch of other bad stuff is happening. Um, John? I can't believe this slipped my mind this past weekend, John. Do you know what happened this past weekend? I know you know. I know you already know this. What happened this past weekend? I know you're tuned into this, John. This past weekend was the first ever annual Justice Con. Huh? Justice Con, John. The the annual, the first annual convention dedicated to Zack Snyder's Justice League. (laughs) No. 
And guess who showed up during Justice Con to talk about the Schneider Cut, John? Guess who graced the screens, the Zoom call screens of Justice Con, John? I'm going to say disgraced pervert Ezra Miller. No, I don't know anything about that. What? <laughs> that is news to me. The person whose name I was going to say is the director himself, Zack Schneider, showed up at Justice Con to reveal not one, but two pieces of vital information about this uh, about the Schneider cut. Oh, do tell. Oh, piece number one, John, you wouldn't believe it. It was rumored before the con. They had actual media journalists write whole articles about the speculations about this one thing. But then Zack Schneider showed up on the screen and he confirmed it. The runtime of his movie or series is longer than 214 minutes. Oh my god, I'm so happy I want to die. Yeah, there were rumors before. People wrote articles. Will Justice League be longer than 214 minutes? And Zack Schneider, the director, the visionary, said, Yes, yes, it will be longer than 214 minutes. The second... (laughs) Oh, okay, you go. Oh no, go go. The second piece of vital information, John. This changes the game. I don't know if you understand how big this is. Zack Schneider at JusticeCon via Zoom call showed off a clip. A clip of Superman meeting Alfred. But that's not the important part. It was a deleted scene from the original movie, It's not important. The important thing is Superman is wearing the black suit from Superman Returns, the 1993 comic book story. I don't know if you saw Justice League, the the theatrical cut, John, but Superman didn't wear a black suit. The executive said no black suit. And Zack Schneider He was like, the executive said no, so I recolored the original suit that was... Oh, you're kidding. That was made, and so this isn't the final product, but this was a deleted scene that I wanted to show the executives to show how good the black suit would look, and they still said no, but I'm conferring right here on this stage. I'm Zack Schneider in this moment. I'm conferring that Superman will be wearing his black suit as first seen in the 1993 comic book, Superman Returns. You mean he's going to recolor. They've already said that there will be no more shoots for the movie, so they're going to recolor. No, no, okay. To be the black suit for the movie? I'm going to drop the bit I was doing. What he showed off was a previously deleted clip where he recolored the suit because he couldn't get the studio to okay rendering a new suit. But he used this clip during Justice Con to confirm that he will be rendering a whole new suit and it will be black. So he's not just recoloring it. They're going oh, to do okay. the work to make it oh, look yeah, good. It's, yeah, it's CG. 
Right, yeah. So he was just showing off that like this is what he wanted to do originally, and the executive said no. So now he's going to do it right with the like twenty million dollars they they gave him to re-edit his movie. Well, Henry, with this exciting news, I don't know that there's any better way to say this, but if there's been any movie that we've owed it to our fans to do a comprehensive supplemental reading of, it's got to be the Snyder Cut. Right, right. I mean, I've been hyping this up for so long that I even withheld a third piece of news from you that I'm now going to excitedly go into right now on the podcast. It's live. Zack Schneider at JusticeCon this past weekend when asked about what the fuck happened to his movie. <laughs> oh, um. so before he even shot a single scene for Justice League, the executives already gave him a note like usually you like you know you get notes on the script and stuff before he even like started the project they gave him a note and that note was make it hilarious Ugh. a note that he threw out and ignored and also explains maybe why they picked up Joss Whedon when it came time to do the reshoots and Zack Schneider had to step away for a family tragedy that happened um so when that came up during Justice Con, Zack Schneider leaned into the mic and he said, John, he said, not a second of the Joss Whedon footage would appear in his movie. So we're getting an entirely new movie. No. <laughs> <laughs> it turns out Joss Whedon really only shot that weird opening scene with Superman and the weird mustache. Apparently oh. that that's it. That's it? Maybe there's oh. more. I don't so know. So not a second of Joss Whedon's minutes long. <laughs> there might have been more. He really did not go into details. I was just excited to see that uh, Joss Whedon is not going to be attached to it at all. Well, Henry, with this additional news, I'm willing to take my previous proclamation one step further. Oh, what's that, my friend? I think in, in anticipation of the Snyder no. Cut, since you and I are, are no. so excited about it. <laughs> what are you, you going to say? I'm just saying, I think that in anticipation of it, we owe it not only to ourselves, uh, but to also to our fans, since we both so fondly remember the original Justice League cut, but it was so long ago. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> we we owe it to ourselves and our fans to do a supplemental reading, not only of the Snyder Cut, but preceding it, a supplemental reading, a comprehensive supplemental reading of uh, Justice League Dawn of Justice or whatever the hell it was called. Don't make me rewatch that garbage, please. Don't make me. We don't have no. rewatching that garbage. You're watching the same movie three different times. What do you mean three? You've already seen it once. Oh, Henry, I have a I have a newsflash for you. I've what? never finished Justice League, and I don't think you should. It's bad. I I think. 
if we if we want to compare the two texts, I don't even know if you can watch Justice League anywhere anymore. I'm about to find out. Okay, I will reveal to you and the fans here that uh, Mr. Schneider and his infinite wisdom did not reveal whether his new cut would be a series or a film. Uh, for that information, we have to wait for DCCon, the first ever annual DCCon that's going to happen in a couple of months. It involves all of the DC properties. Zack Schneider's Justice League. Zack Schneider's uh, Justice League. And Zack Schneider's Just... That's right. It's a whole other convention completely dedicated to Zack Schneider's Justice League and maybe David Ayer's Suicide Squad. I don't know. WB seems to think it's a good idea right now to let directors recut their films because of fan outcry? How do you gain entrance to these conventions? Are they on Zoom? I think they're on Zoom, but I think you might also have to pay money. Oh, I was going to say we should be at one of those, but if you have to pay money, fuck it. Yeah, no, I'm not, I don't pay money to be at virtual events. Thank you very much. The only virtual event I pay money to is Star Wars The Old Republic and my many OnlyFans. Right, right. All of the OnlyFans that we... You have. It will never stop being a bit. Yeah, right. It's a, it's a bit, right. Henry? What? Don't don't you fuck this up for me. Oh, maybe it's on Hulu. Maybe. Uh, it appears as though it initially looked like it was on HBO Max, but then they said only the Snyder Cut would be on HBO Max. Right? It's weird, huh? We can maybe probably we... find some other way to watch this movie with ourselves and our significant others and close friends in a virtual environment. Yeah, maybe we do that. Oh, no. Don't make me rewatch this movie, John. Look... Henry, you don't have to worry about it. It's, it's not coming out until 2021. Right, okay. So this wouldn't be for a while. We still owe the fans a better luck tomorrow supplemental reading. Yeah, we really need to get on that. I don't know what you're doing. I mean, nothing. Yeah, me either. It's, just, it's weird how we still can't get this to sync up, though. Yeah, it's almost like there's a shroud of depression on everyone. Yeah, I feel like there's something we're doing on Sunday, but I cannot remember what it is now. Oh, church? No. (laughs) Sorry. I can't watch Better Luck Tomorrow. I gotta go to church. I go to a special church. That means every time I go to church, I can't watch anything. The only thing I can watch is the Lord's Spirit grow inside me. You joke, but... It's called a media fast. Is it? No, it's not real. Oh, I only I only want one kind of media fast, and that's my HBO Max. I just lament that Zack Schneider can't win an Emmy for his coverage of the editing of his film. It's the it's the TV show of the season. <laughs> Move over. Very important show, Watchmen, that actually had new and interesting and fresh things to say about race, and also stirred up the the collective memory of the Tulsa massacre 
that is a real event that actually happened that a bunch of people, including myself, did not know about. Uh, move over that. It's time for Zack Schneider's Justice League. I don't feel good about saying that. <laughs> move over, Watchmen. Move over, race politics. It's time for the real star, a white man complaining about Superman. Right. Move over, story of... Uh, a girl escaping an Orthodox Jewish community that was abusive and escaping to Germany where I'm presuming it's better. I hope for her sake. Hey, you'll just have to watch Unorthodox to find out. Yeah. Move over that. It's time for some tweets, some tweets that Zack Schneider tweeted about his movie. God, I love him. God, love him. Get the fuck out of the way, Reese Witherspoon. (laughs) Zack Schneider is tweeting. (laughs) Get out of the way, little women. Well, that that was a movie. Yeah, he's winning an Oscar. I thought he was going to win an Emmy for his coverage of his Oscar. Oh, he's going to get an EGOT. Oh, you know who just got an email? An email? You know who just got some email? <laughs> you know who just got an EGOT? Hmm? Alan Minkin? Who's that? I don't know. Well, congratulations, Mr. Minkin. Speaking of email... I will tell you what you could do if you want to contact us. Because it seems like John wants to get the Zack Schneider out of here. So let's do it. If you want to contact us to complain about any of the things we said in the latter half part of this episode, you can tweet at us on twitter.com at ZCPCWHJ, which stands for John. Zack Snyder, please release the Zack Snyder cut of Schindler's List. It would have Schindler in a black suit. You can also send us a long, strongly worded email at email of two, two. We, we figured out it's two. You can send an email to email at zerocredits.net where one day there might be a website, not at the email address, but at zerocredits.net there might be a, uh, a website one day when uh, there is more motivation to do things. We're also, you can find us. Plenty of places, any of the podcast scrapers that are out there, but also Spotify. If you go to the podcast section of Spotify and type in zero credit, open parenthesis, S, close parenthesis, you will find us. And we were there before Joe Rogan, and we were also in Texas before Joe Rogan moved. So I'm just saying we might be better than him. I don't know. I'm not saying that. The evidence points in that direction. We're also on, what is it called? Apple Podcasts. That's right. Apple Podcasts, a separate thing from iTunes. Maybe, I don't know how Apple works. Unfortunately, they're the gate to the podcasting world. And what that means for you is if you could go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review and leave a star rating, that would help us out immensely because that lets us get more people listening. If more people listen, we make more dumb promises you get a whole lot more Justice League content. That's the honest truth. If we hit 
a thousand listeners, I will live tweet Justice League every day of the week. That's that's just that's just how it works. That's right. And if we wait. You had one more. I jumped I in. Do, I do. You, you, you jumped in way too early. I paused to take a sip of my beer because this is hard work, John. I wouldn't know. But the most important thing you can do in these unprecedented times is get in contact with a friend that you have not talked to in a long time. Check up on them. They're, they might be going through some rough shit. Deal with that first. Catch up. Get on good terms, and then reveal that you've been listening to Zero Credits during this these, these crazy times, and tell them if they also listen to Zero Credits, they could have a better time in their weird times. Tell a friend. Tell a wife. <laughs> tell a mouth. Tell a knife. This is Zero Credits. We're here every day of the week. As long as it's Friday. And that's right. If uh, if you tell all your friends, they'll, they too will be able to enjoy our upcoming supplemental readings of Man of Steel, Justice League, and then Justice League, the Zack Snyder cut. Wait, was there another Superman one in there? All right, hold on. Of, yeah. of Man of Steel, Superman versus Batman, Dawn of Justice, Justice League, and the upcoming... Uh, supernatural movie. <laughs> uh, what? Zack Snyder's, Zack Snyder's That's not... cut of Justice League. Uh, that is what they will enjoy because we're doing it all. Right. A few it years might just ago, be Justice League and then Zack Snyder. But we might also wait. We already did Batman versus Superman, didn't we? Oh, you're asking the wrong person in this moment of time. We'll figure it out. I remember liking it. Just wait for the fucking Zack Snyder cut. This is the part where you say... Oh, goodbye. Yeah, you skipped over some. Oh, man, I'm so off today. If only some visionary director could come in and reorder these things. In the That's the problem. This episode's being edited by John. Did Schneider. somebody call for Zack Snyder? Oh, my God, it's Zack Snyder. I'll do your job, John, and re-edit this to say, and from everyone here at the... Zero Credits Re-Edited Studios. We want to wish everyone a happy Zack Snyder week. That was really good, Mr. Snyder, but uh, could you do it again and make it hilarious this time? Uh, that'll be $20 million. Well, if you twist my arm about it. I will take my payment in the form of DC Universe subscriptions. Uh, I mean, I don't know if that game still exists, but uh, here you go. No, it's the name of the subscription service for DC. I want to watch Young Justice Season 3. Oh, is this Henry or Zack Snyder? I'm Zack Snyder! (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye! Wait, let me re-edit that to the Snyder Cut. Fuck bye! (laughs) 
And then there's a shell hitting the ground in slow motion. And the sky is not red or whatever? I forget what I've already reported on. The sky is not red or it is red and the suit is black unless it isn't and also Alfred is there. Fuck this movie.